Welcome to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast. Here are your hosts, Daniel Meyer and Chris Tatro. Welcome back to the Hometown Hero Outdoors Podcast, and we want to wish you guys all a happy new year. Hope you guys had a great holiday season and have some big plans going into this new year. We've got with us tonight Melissa Bachman, and tonight we're going to be talking about the banquet and kind of what Melissa is going to be doing with us for the banquet. Welcome back, Melissa. Well, thank you guys for having me. I sure do appreciate it. Well, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. If you guys uh, don't remember, we actually had Melissa back on the podcast. What day was that? That would have been on September 14th when that podcast aired. You know, and for everyone that doesn't know, Melissa is an avid outdoors person that has a TV show with Winchester's Deadly Passion, and she's been busy out in the field this last fall. And we are excited to announce that she will be here for the banquet. So um, she will be the keynote speaker. You know, as you all know, she is married to a law enforcement officer out there. So she definitely supports our military and first responders in this nation. So we really appreciate you stepping up and helping us out with that. Absolutely. I'm just excited to be there and to be able to meet everybody. And I think it's going to be an amazing event. And, and I'm just proud to be able to be a part of it. So as far as your fall and how it's gone we'll start there and we'll work into the the support of the first responders and the military veterans and what the outdoor healing has for those individuals let's talk about your fall what what did your fall look like this year so far it's been a really good fall i usually start uh beginning of august so i kicked it off in colorado for a velvet mule deer hunt and that turned out just incredible and you know from there i did a lot of whitetail hunting and as most people can understand, when you're hunting really big whitetails, it's not always the highest percentage deal. Um, I hunted almost every day in October and did not notch a single tag. Um, and that's just the way it is sometimes. And I think sometimes people see television shows and they think, oh, every time you go, you know, you're just notching one tag after another. And that's not always the truth. But the thing is, is I usually try to kind of set the standards of what kind of animal I'm looking for. Each place is different, of course, Um, and really try to hold to that. You know, I hunted in Kansas. I hunted in Ohio. um, I hunted Montana. Different places. We saw some amazing bucks, but just not quite what I was looking for. So I saved those tags to late season. So that way you can always kind of go back and, and you just, you know, I'm not someone who wants to just notch a tag just because, well, I wanted to, to get a deer before I left this trip. Um, so I don't always do that. Um, so it's just kind of rem- a good reminder to hunters that even when you hunt for a living and you're out there all the time, you're not going to kill on every single hunt. Um, I did go to Alberta and had just a phenomenal trip there. I got probably my biggest mule deer of my life there and almost close to 190. Um, Just a beautiful buck. And then I shot the darkest chocolate rack whitetail I've ever shot, probably in the mid-160s. So, you know, everything can change in a week. You just never know where things are at. And uh, I think that's part of the fun of all of it. And I think all of us can relate to that as hunters. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've been kind of all over the place this fall, you know, from Ohio up to Alberta and back, back down to Montana, Colorado area and getting out and being able to do those things is, is amazing. And, you know, like we talked about on the last episode that you were on, you know, not, not everyone can, you know, get out and do those things, but as long as they're getting into the outdoors and doing something, you know, whether it's their first time or they've, they've been hunting since they were, they were little kids. Yeah. I think that's important. And, and I don't think it matters, you know, where you travel to or, you know, even what you're looking for. If you go out with the hope of shooting a doe at some point in the time, 
set a goal and then try to achieve it. I think that's the biggest thing. And that's what I've always done. I mean, when I first started hunting, any deer I could possibly get, I was just thrilled with. And when you've been able to hunt them more and more, then you have new standards. And that's part of the fun is, is making that goal and trying to achieve that. But really, you know, the people that I've met along the way, I've met some of the nicest people you could ever run into. Um, some of the places I go back to year after year, they're like family. Um, and it's just fun to be able to see everybody again. And the hunting's kind of the second part of it, to be honest. I mean, a lot of those other things really take precedent. And, you know, being able to just sit out there and enjoy and relax and kick back and not deal with social media or emails or anything else and just focus on hunting. There's a very nice piece about that. I can promise you that. It is kind of a blessing in disguise when that cell phone service goes away. <laughs> and you know what? You can always make it go away. Airplane mode. Yeah. Wonders. <laughs> it's absolutely true. That's the problem. Sometimes, you know, you get it on plane mode and then you're like, oh, what am I missing right now? And then you flip <laughs> it back on and you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that because now I have things I have to deal with. I don't want to. Your phone phone buzzes for five ten minutes straight while you right. get back into service. You just want to throw it That's out the okay. window. As long as I have a good hunt and can sit there for you know, we do a lot of all day sits. So um, you know, it gives you time to really think about things. I'm I'm kind of a list person, so I keep my phone and I'll like make lists of either things I should do or maybe ideas I have. And I think there's a lot of people who just don't take the time to just sit back and let their mind kind of wander and, and come up with ideas. I think that's one of the best ways that you can find new ideas or kind of sort things out as to what's most important, what needs to be done. I mean, I probably have a list right now, probably 60 long of things I need to do when I get home of right. try to put it in order. But it, it's just kind of helpful because then you're not kind of stressing about it. You're not worrying about it. You put it down and you know what, when I start working tomorrow, just knock things off one at a time. And uh, if I decide to go hunting, well, the rest can wait. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like hopping over to Wisconsin. You know, I live on the Minnesota, Wisconsin border and it's really nice for us to go deer hunting over there just because with my employment and what I do for a living, it's nice to just top that border and I can unplug and be away from all of it. Don't have to worry about work or what's going on back there. Obviously when I come back, it's there, but just nice to be able to detach, you know, and then also part of that, you know, spending time with the family and the kids, but the, I, I never realized how bad my tinnitus is until I'm sitting in a deer stand and all I hear is ringing the whole time. It's so deafening, but I, you know what? It's a good time to go and relax and detach and get back and check on track and get your mind and soul where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and so. I love late season hunting. I mean, that's always kind of been one of my favorite. We're in January now doing those later hunts. Um, it's very cold. Uh, you got to have a, a different level of mental toughness sometimes. There's no question. But I think that's sometimes overlooked on states that are open later. Um, a lot of people have given up and gone home, and a lot of those big bucks are run down from the rut. They need to come out to the food sources, and uh, you can be sitting there. I've had some of my best hunts of my life in the late season. I saw a handful of bucks running at work today pretty hard, um, right out in the middle of broad daylight with their nose to the ground, running pretty good. You know, we're what, uh, late season technically. So, I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's some of the best hunting out there. I know people like getting that muzzleloader out there. And I know one of my coworkers got a really nice buck recently. So it's just a good time. A little different. Everyone's kind of packed up and out of the woods and things are a little more calmer out there. Um, Chris, Chris, you brought up Wisconsin hunting. How was how that for you and the, the kids? You guys do that every year. Yeah, we did really good this year. Um, this year was uh, my dad got to go with, um, which was different. Um, so then we used to go up to his property up in uh, central Minnesota and the 
just the population around there is not very high, but we're kind of spoiled. We get to hunt over and troll hog an area over in Dresser, Wisconsin. And uh, my father-in-law has some permission for some land. And this year we actually took out uh, four of the kids. Yes, I have a lot of kids. So we have seven kids. So we're a blended family. Uh, we have three, three, and one. And uh, this year we took four of the children. And uh, we had a brand new hunter this year. He had the ability to shoot at a deer, but he didn't He didn't take the chance. Uh, two different opportunities, which is totally fine. You know, he was a little worried about the kick and the noise and taking the life of a deer, you know. So, you know, he got to think about that process and, you know, process those hurdles that are there in front of him. And when we left for the weekend, he was totally ready. Um, we did get the chance to go back out, but hoping to sometime soon. And then my daughter, Skyly, she uh, shot two doe uh opening morning right away so we're we're incredibly spoiled where we are uh we can harvest up to three or four deer each in that area for wisconsin so it's it's a pretty high harvest rate over there and i think we saw a total of 30 or 40 deer that weekend alone so it's pretty special to get the kids out there and i just keep telling them like it's not always like this (laughs) (laughs) so start being selective and have a good time just whatever you want to harvest it's great but don't do it because you're being greedy. It's awesome for kids to be able to experience it that much, you know, and have that, that many deer around. Because in my mind, I mean, that's what really gets people hooked. I, that's the type of hunting I got to grow up with when I was, I had to wait till I was 12. And being able to experience that and to shoot, I mean, there's no telling how many fawns and does and everything else I shot. But you know what? I was so proud of them. And we took them home and we learned to cut them up and we packaged them and we processed them. And we ate them all year round. I think there's a lot to be said for that, for a family, for kids, for that bonding experience together. I mean, it's so much more than that little short period of the hunt. You know, watching them stand there and watch us cut this deer, you know, it's not, I haven't had any of them really do it. I just don't want to. If they're not comfortable with it, I'm not going to force them to do it just because I just don't want to push them away. Well, dad, you know, I don't want to shoot a deer because dad's going to make me gut it. So we, we go through that process, but then absolutely with the processing after the fact, you know, I think the next biggest thing they look forward to is us being in our kitchen and processing that meat and the sausage or whatever else we want. It's, it's a good time. And it's little things like just writing venison on the package, writing chops, steaks, you know, all the different right. things. I mean, you don't have to give kids a knife to be a part of it. You know, they can help wrap or tape or, you know, whatever it might be. I think all those little things are important. Yeah. And then Melissa for, you know, Chris brought up, you know, the, the nerves that, that kids have when they, they come out for the first year and you grew up in the outdoors and, you know, being in the industry for a while and, you know, an, an influencer with a lot of young hunters, is there an advice that you would give for, for those people that are going out, you know, either the, the kids going out or the, the parents that are going out with their kids for the first time for to kind of calm those, those nerves down some. Well, I think the biggest thing is to make it fun, right? Because kids really want to see their parents happy and proud of them. Um, That's like the number one thing. So I think if parents can kind of, you know, just kind of lay it out as to how it's going to be. And, you know, things could happen. You might miss or you might not get the shot. No matter what, I'm proud of you. I'm just glad to be out here spending that time with you. I think sometimes that kind of relieves some of that stress or pressure from them um, from being worried because they, they just want so much. Kids want to please their parents and make them happy that if you can give them that part of it, 
they're a little less worried. And also, you know, make sure that you've taken the time and practice with them. So that way they understand the recoil, uh, how loud it's going to be. You know, if you can shoot suppressed, whatever you can do to make it just a little more comfortable. And we've had kids that we've taken out and their parents have given them a 300 wind mag and they got scoped the first time. Right. So what we usually try to do is we'll shoot the gun first for them. So that way they know, they can hear it, they can see it, and then they're a little more comfortable. And then we let them shoot a couple of times at a target. We like to shoot steel because the kids think it's fun to hear it, you know. Oh, you got them. Perfect. We have a things. Um, But I think doing things like that and building up their confidence, I don't care if it's gun hunting, bow hunting, whatever it is, so much is on confidence. And just kind of walking through that mentally before it happens. And and like I said, it's not always going to work out. And you need to remind them that it's okay. You know, um, you're not going to win every one of them. You're not going to get something on every hunt. It's just the way it is. It's okay. And to enjoy the process. Yeah. And also, also you know, you perhaps it's not going to happen every every time. And a lot of us that have been hunting for a while, you know, we get get frustrated and disappointed with ourselves if, if we do miss. And not, you know, when, when it's the child that, it's happening with, you know, making sure that they're, that you're not letting that frustration out or letting them see the disappointment and use it as a learning experience. It's hard at times too, as a parent, when you have that child behind that firearm and you've, you've taught them and you've shown them how to shoot and where to shoot and where to aim. And you can't see down that scope for them. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what are you looking at? And are you going to hit what you're looking at? It just, it for me, my nerves are high just because I really want them to be successful. So it's a lot for me just to be like, all right, you know where you're aiming at. You see behind, you know, the leg, the spot, and then you have to let Jesus take the wheel at that point. But <laughs> just hope and pray it's okay. You're, I it's all the, <laughs> yeah, you're like all the stuff that, you know, that you, you train them with and just goes right out the window and then adrenaline hits. But it. It's not always that case, you know, but I think the first couple deer, you know, they kind of get that shaken out of them a little bit, you know, but now it's just about being effective at what you do, not trying to wound, you know. So I've been really fortunate. Skyly is shot now Ford, Ford deer, and uh, we shoot a 7 MMO8 youth rifle, and every one of them has dropped right in their tracks. Like, I'm really wow. impressed with those, that round. It's got a lot. Of, it's also part of our placement, you know, but. Uh, she's done really well. Oh, that's awesome. And again, that's building confidence, you know. Now she's to the point where she might be still nervous, but at least, you know, it's worked that many times in the past. Go through the motions. It's it's like even for me, it becomes autopilot, right? You kind of go through the things. I might be shaking like a leaf and super excited, but you go through a lot of those things over and over in your head that you've done before and that you found success and bring it, bring that full circle again each time. We got lucky too this year. It snowed before season opened, and that's just whole different world for the kids to see what it's like to be out hunting in the snow. See that deer coming from a mile away through the woods. It's pretty, pretty awesome to see that kind of stuff. So with your hunts, um, I got a question. So you said that you didn't fill your tag with your where was the the mule deer hunt that you did with the, the velvet? Um, hunt? I did. Uh, I did Colorado. I did fill my tag there. I got a big, oh, you did okay velvet mule deer. But then I have um, Kansas and Illinois. I didn't even make it to Illinois yet. Um, but Illinois is open through mid-January. And then Montana and Ohio. So Ohio is also open late. So that's the nice thing is a lot of those places I can go back and, and still keep hunting pretty late in the season. 
So when you're out for your initial hunts, do you, I'm assuming you're filming those and yes. whatnot, right? So yes. then when you don't harvest an animal uh, and you go back, do you utilize some of that previous footage about your previous hunt when you were there into your next episode? Or is that just something that gets washed or do you keep showing that? If I don't get anything there, like on the second trip back, it's like it never happened. <laughs> so it just goes away into the background. Yeah. You know, okay. and there's times that you can use it. You know, sometimes I'll have some beautiful footage um, the Montana, we rattled in like 40 some different deer. They were just all like 120 inch deer. Um, not what I was looking for. Um, uh, but we have beautiful, stunning footage of these deer coming from 500 yards all the way to 15 yards, you know? So I'll utilize that in different areas and, and things, but you know, it's just, each one is different. If, if there's enough content there, great. But if I usually don't get something, then no, normally that's not going to be a show. Well, so, I mean, it kind of shows the listeners that it's just not, I mean, it's work, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just because you go and spend all this time out in the field, I mean, it, it doesn't make it, it doesn't mean you're going to seal the deal in order to get that next show that you're looking for. Absolutely not. You know, you spend maybe seven, 10 days there, sometimes 14 days if you go back twice. And I've spent my time, my cameraman's time, all our travel expenses, the whole thing paid for a hunt. And it's not a sure thing, right? Um, it's free range hunting. There's no such thing as a sure deal. Um, and, and that's part of it. That's why it makes it so exciting when it does work out. And I think that's just important for people to remember because everyone's been in that boat. There's certain years where it seems like every hunt you do is successful and you're like, oh, this is great. And then you might have a year where you run into like a little dry spell. But then when it gets good again, you appreciate it so much more. And I, I think that's just part of, of hunting and, and part of the learning curve all the way through. It doesn't matter how much you've done it or how good you are. There's going to be good years and bad years. So with the um, – did you do an elk hunt, did you say, this year? No, not this year. Not this year. Okay. We just had a team come back from Montana this year, and it sounds like things are a little different. It sounds like the, the elk came down pretty early. So I know they had some troubles up there. Have you heard any reports of what the elk hunting looks like out there? You know, I haven't um, because I didn't draw a tag this year. But I know like for our deer tags, I think I've hunted in Montana for 11 years. And this is the first year I ever not shot a deer. <laughs> so, mm. um, you know, it's just it, it, things are different. And it's the, the grass was incredibly high. Like South Dakota, we're in the biggest drought ever. Our grass is like six inches tall out there. The grass was up to my nose or my eyes. So okay. the way we hunt is we rattle deer in, we'd rattle them in and you can literally see the top of their antlers, right? Um, so one, it makes it hard to get shots, but two, the big bucks, they might not even be coming to it. You know, a lot of them were with those and, and doing their own thing. So there's always a ton of factors that people don't think about that can really change a hunt like the elk, you know, whether they came down early, whether the deer were running early, running late, you know, whatever it may be. I was in Kansas during what should have been the peak of the rut. And we literally had 12, 15 does in the field, but not a buck in sight. <laughs> and a buck would come through, could care less about the does and move on. And this was, you know, peak rut in November. It's just, it just didn't kick in yet. You know, it's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah it, it seems like it can't always work out like like it's planned to or like how it does every year. I was out in Maine uh, with one of our veterans doing a moose hunt, and things were going a little early there too. Um, their rut for the moose started earlier than normal, so they went very nocturnal. Um, they had a full moon, so anytime our hunter was out in the field looking for the moose, 
the I mean the sign was all over the place, but just being able to actually get sight on. Well, we did get to see moose, but it was in a nature preserve, so that didn't help. <laughs> but uh, that's just how it goes, right? <laughs> you finally see it, and it's in the wrong spot. But it seemed like things were a little early this year for the most part. I think rut started a little early in Minnesota here as well. But and from what I understand, in Montana with that elk hunt, no, the elk moved down early. But that's a part of it. So. If it was super predictable and you could do it every time, it wouldn't be as much fun. So. And there wouldn't be any animals left. No, there would not. <laughs> right. And so, yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, and speaking of planning for stuff, is there is there any hunts that you have, you know, going into the going into the spring or any any outdoors plans that you have spring summertime for 20 2023 for big fall um, hunts? We'll do a bunch of turkeys again. Um, we live in some of the best turkey country you could ever find. Um, I'm not sure there's a place on earth that's better than where we live. Um, like last year, we took Jax, our little three-year-old, out, and he was able to harvest his very first turkey on his own in Nebraska. And that's it awesome. was just such an incredible hunt. So he'll do a hunt again this year at four. Um, and we take all our kids out. Everybody gets to shoot turkeys. We have tags for shotgun, for bow, all sorts of stuff. And then in the summer, a lot of times we'll do a little bit of bow fishing if we can. Um, and we'll do coyote hunting all throughout the winter. Um, so we'll be busy with that. And then next fall, uh, I'll have some pretty good hunts lined up as well. But a lot of it, I'm like everybody else. I got to wait on tags and see what I draw and, and then kind of piece it together from there. But I do know um, this hunt I had in Alberta was so incredible. I rebooked next year for early season to do the spot and stock mule deer and late season to do the whitetail. So I locked in four spots right away on that. Oh, right, good for you. That's an incredible hunt. So That's awesome. What kind of uh, turkey hunting? Is it Miriam's, Easterns that are there? Um, so we have primarily Miriam's here. Miriam's. Yep. Uh, they're, they're all fun birds. I think oh, yeah. mostly turkey's my thing. I like that. Mo- I mean, I love deer hunting. Don't get me wrong. I love ice fishing. Turkey hunting is my thing. I think it's just because that I'm cooped up all winter mm-hmm. and I'm excited to get back out and it's starting to warm up and things are starting to green up. And I th- just the reactiveness that you get from the turkey, I think just gets me excited. I don't, I've never been successful in rattling bucks here in Minnesota. I've, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little different. You got to be in, a, in a, a very predominantly um, aggressive zone for bucks and the population. And I've never been in that. Mm-hmm. So when getting out with the turkeys, you know, and you can actually start working turkeys, that's a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thunder chickens. Oh, yeah. And I think you're right about the spring. I mean, we're always so, so excited to get out there and get after it been inside you know we do like i said we do a lot of coyote hunting so that's also super interactive but the turkeys they are fun and for us we get to bring the whole family out so that's fun because we kind of pick the nicest days right we're not going out when it's raining or cold we pick the good times and do it then have you um had much experience with any of your shows or taking out anyone who might be in the military veteran community or first responders? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, we did a show, we did a turkey hunt and we did spoonbill fishing in Oklahoma. And I took some wounded veterans out and we had such a phenomenal time. We literally caught so many spoonbills. Nobody wanted to reel them in anymore. <laughs> we caught like 160 with Pritchard's guide service out of Oklahoma. And It was just so much fun. And what I love about, you know, when I'm trying to book hunts like that, I want to do something that's going to be fun and interactive with people, right? I don't want to take people on a deer hunt where we're all sitting separate 
where I wanted to do something where we can be joking and laughing and having fun. And it was one of the most exciting things. I mean, we just had a ball through the whole thing. We got all them spoonbills and then we went turkey hunting, um, got some really nice turkeys in Kansas. And then that was the end of the trip. But it just turned out to be a fun episode, but way more than the filming. I mean, I still get to keep in touch with these guys. They're just wonderful people. And it was just something that you could tell everybody just kind of, lightened up and it was just all about what we were doing that day and, and having that fun together and everyone kind of forgot about everything else going on in the world and just focused in on the fun fishing when you're reeling that heaviest spoonbills in left and right you're looking at the next guy saying you take this one i'm wore out <laughs> yeah that, that'd be a fun trip for sure and then you know like, like you said when these these people do get together and most of them don't know each other at all and there's that that immediate connection where you know, it seems like they've been friends for, for a lifetime. And those connections last forever. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, you're still in contact. Uh, just, just even with the HHO trips that are out there and the, the communities that are built and the small networks that aren't that small, they're a lot bigger than you think. Just mm-hmm. the, you know, I was just looking at uh, this video that we released with Brent Fowler and up in the main moose hunt. And uh, someone made a comment on there that they were a ranger instructor with him back in the day. So just a small world, you know, it's people everywhere, but it's smaller than you think. And I think it's important, you know, not only for the experience that you are bringing to the people you're with, but I think it lends itself well to others thinking, you know, maybe I could help. Maybe I could do something. Um, Outfitters offering up hunts or other people offering to facilitate things and get them together. I mean, it's just, it's kind of heartwarming to see, you know, when people get together who didn't know each other, who formed that bond, and you can see it, you know. That's one of the reasons I love doing things on camera is because not only can you capture that experience and let them and myself watch it anytime we want to remember it, but you probably make an impact on others and they might say, you know what, I want to help out somehow. Maybe it's donating, maybe it's donating hunts, fishing trips, whatever it is. I think just bringing that awareness there and just thanking these people. I mean, they have given so much and their families have been through so much to be able to to have an experience where kind of everything else is forgotten for maybe a few hours or a day or whatever it is just to have that pure joy again, I think is, is just worth so much. And if people can be a part of that in any way, like I said, whether it's taking them, whether it's donating money, whether it's donating services, there's just so much reward there for everybody involved. Well, can't do without the community and people who are out there to support it, especially outdoor enthusiast people. They, they are able to pass on their knowledge to, what they have engaged in in their life when it comes to the outdoors, hunting, fishing, anything outdoor related. And that knowledge uh, is really soaked in by individuals that need it. And cause it helps take their mind off things and hopefully uh, rebuild, you know, their emotional support that they need in order to be able to overcome what they're going through. And that knowledge sharing is very vital, I think, and being able to help with that healing process. I know we have a lot of individuals within HHO that, have uh, never done a certain type of outdoor activity and now they're hooked and it's just their place that they go to escape and just anyone who has that knowledge and being able to be out there and pass that on is very vital to people's recovery who are within the professions that we help in HHO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and think it, go ahead. And it doesn't it doesn't even have to be the the hunting and fishing, you know. Th- this year we started doing some horseback riding there in Minnesota. Uh, there's been snowmobile riding that that people have donated snowmobiles for uh, out in Colorado, 
camping, camping trips, hiking trips, foraging, foraging. Uh, there was a couple of rod building classes that happened, uh, clay shooting, that barbecue that down, down in Texas, barbecue. Um, so, you know, it, it, if you can't provide hunting and fishing stuff, you know, provide a, a field to go camping in or, you know, a, a, rod, a shop to do rod building classes in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important, too, because especially when you find things that maybe you didn't really know that that could be a passion, right? Um but if you're passionate about it, you're going to love sharing that with other people. And I think there's so much to be said. Like you said, you don't need to have a big outfitted place to be able to make it work. Just need a field to allow people to come camping or or let them be a part of it. I think it's just so nice to know there's so many different things people can help out with. Well, and we even have members that are helping members within our, our community. Uh, there's times where... They'll say, hey, I'm in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I'm headed out to go fishing for the evening. I have a couple open spots in my pontoon who wants to hop in. Mm-hmm. Just even that small gesture is huge. And then people are, it's a lot of last minute stuff, you know, so coordination can be tough. And if you don't have people in the area, obviously that's difficult too. But, you know, with where our our membership lays within the Midwest, it's pretty easy to find someone and it doesn't take much just to make someone smile for the day, even if it's just to get them out of the metro or Somewhere out where they can talk to someone different, it's very significant. Mm-hmm. And again, and talking to someone who's passionate about that. I mean, I yep. think there's a big draw to things people are passionate about, um, whether it's hunting, fishing, camping, whatever that is, that enthusiasm, it, it spreads, you know, and it, it really does get other people hooked on things that maybe they had no, no idea that would be even of an interest to them. And they get around someone who's passionate about it. And now, that's one of their favorite things to do and they can keep spreading that as well. Totally agree. And that's why I'm excited that you're coming to the banquet. You know, not only are you Minnesota native, you know, but you also have put a lot of hard work into uh, what you do in your career, you know, and you live the life that you want to live with being in the outdoors. So I think we're pretty excited about, we are really excited about you being at the banquet to be able to share that passion with the others. And then also for you to get to mingle with other individuals. So from the last podcast too, if you listen to that, Melissa is incredibly easy to approach and talk to, which is great. Uh, So when I met her for the first time, I asked her who her agent was and she handed me a card and told me to call her. You know, So I, I just think that's a great story. Uh, it's not something that you always bump into, you know, uh, so it's kind of a rare to find someone that is in your profession that does that. So that's why it's super cool to have you there, be able to talk to people and meet with them. And could you just explain a little bit of like what your uh, your guest appearances look like? Yeah. So one of the big things that I do, I'm a people person. I love talking to people, hearing their stories. So I'm just going to be around and I'm going to be available for whatever events are going on. So I love having people just come up and talk and, and tell me about any stories that they may have. Um, I'll have autograph cards there of kids or people want a picture. I'll have that available. But I think one of the biggest messages is just to know that, you know, whatever you're passionate about for me, it was hunting and, and building that career. The sky's the limit. Um, no matter how many people tell you it can't be done or that seems like a pretty far-fetched dream, if you believe in yourself, you're, you're your number one advocate out there. Um, you really have to believe in yourself. And, and I think that's important for anyone doing anything it may be. Maybe it's starting a new business. Maybe it's getting into something else or getting out of a bad situation. Um, if you are your own best advocate at it, there's 
there's a lot of power in that. And that's one of the things I want to kind of remind people and tell them and, and have them take away. But again, I'm super approachable. My whole goal is to just be there, be talking with people. Um, I know it's going to be a wonderful evening and, and I'm just proud to be able to be a part of it. Yeah, we're definitely glad to have you there. Or as Chris would say, you know, we think that we're glad to have you there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Whoops. But, no, you know, definitely excited. <laughs> And it's it's not just going to be at the at the banquet hall there at Holman Field either. You know we're going to have for those that get a, the VIP tickets, there our best friend are in range. You're going to be there as well to interact and you know have some fun with the the various weapons that'll be there as well. You know, kind of a, a more relaxed situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the fun part is it won't be just the banquet. You know, you guys have a lot of neat things set up and. And I'll try to be at all of the things that you have set up possible. And if anybody sees me, just stop over and say hi. And that's what I'm there for. And and I look forward to talking to everyone and and seeing all the different events going on and and learning about people. I mean, that's the coolest part of my whole job. Of course, I love hunting. But like I said, I'm a people person. I like to meet people, talk with them, and uh, hear their stories. Yeah, let me start over. So March 25th. 2023 is the actual banquet. It's going to be at Holman Field Aviation Brigade for the National Guard Hangar. It's uh, um, on St. Paul. And the day is going to consist of uh, some sponsorship packages and individual tickets that you can purchase. There's general admission, uh, 100 bucks a piece. And then we're going to have an early a bird special that you can get them at for 80 bucks. It's going to last for about a week, week and a half. And then we're going to have VIP tickets that are going to be $200 a piece. And then also sponsorship packages. And depending on the package you get, you get X amount of VIP tickets. So the VIP tickets this year specifically will help you get into the best defense army and range. We're going to have range time for about an hour and a half to two hours. Uh, we're still talking to Silencer Central. It sounds like they're going to show up and hang out. You guys get to use some cans and shoot on mute, as they would say. And then um, after the range ends for the day, we're going to have a cocktail hour for the VIPs that will be presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka that's out of Austin, but huge supporters of us here in Minnesota. And they're going to be able to uh, get in early and mingle with each other. And hopefully we'll get Melissa coming to hang out. There as well. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone that's there can have early access to the banquet and get to see what's there and is available to that night and get some early bidding in. Uh, maybe some exclusive items just for them to look at and be able to get their hands on. So um, a little bit different than we've done before. Usually we just had the banquet, you know, but every year we're trying to incorporate something a little different to shake it up and be more exciting. So it'll be a fun time. Yeah, it's going to be a good year for sure, especially with, you know, Melissa coming and a couple of the other people that we have that'll be, be in attendance. Uh, you know, I know last year's banquet was pretty amazing. We had, what, about 320 people there? Uh, uh, 330 exact. 330. And, you know, yep. those 330 people that attend along with the rest of our supporters throughout the year is what, what help us get to the 1,200-plus the individuals that we take into the outdoors every year. So without, you know, the support from those that come to the banquet and bid on some of the amazing items that we have and donate during the, the live auction or purchase tickets for the, the winter raffle that we host, you know, we won't be able to do what, what we do. We have a pretty awesome presentation, too. So every year we incorporate a person of the year uh, that HHO picks, someone within our membership, uh, you know, military veteran or first responder. Uh, someone who's had an extraordinary career and engagement in the community uh, will be recognized that night. Uh, we give out awards to individuals who have been contributing to the organization to give back to them and get them some recognition to say thank you for what you do. We recognize some of our volunteers um, for the amount of time that they put into the organization for free. And um, most 
the biggest thing is we actually get a testimonial from a member that we've influenced heavily, you know, based on the individual's uh, experiences that they had in their personal life and their tough times. And then also how HHO or a certain individual or outfitter or whatever it is outdoors has really helped them come around. So there's a lot to showcase that night and not enough time, but you know, everything's got to fit in a three hour window, but it's a good time. A lot of fun stuff. Get to meet some cool people, we'll have some awesome vendors there and get to come meet Melissa. Uh, we haven't talked about our MC yet, but we're going to keep that one secret. We'll do another podcast on that one. It's a good time. You got to come out and have fun. So keep your eye on the page too. Cause January 1st, uh, we're going to put out, some videos we're going to actually have a promo video coming out yeah we're looking forward to seeing everyone out there and you know as as we've talked about you know during this podcast any any little bit that you can you can support you know getting our nation's heroes are are currently serving military veterans first responders which includes the law enforcement fire and ems you know anything that you can do to support getting them into the outdoors get a hold of us and you know for those that haven't ever been in the outdoors or haven't ever been on a trip with us Make sure to connect with us either on our Facebook groups or through our website if you, if you don't have social media. And as Melissa said on this podcast and the previous one, there might be a passion that you that you don't know is there that's going to be able to help you connect with others. Trying something new. Well, Melissa, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I know this one's a little bit shorter, but uh, we really appreciate your time. We know you just got back from a very long few days, weeks on trips and we appreciate your time and uh, being able to uh, come out to Minnesota for our banquet and then also do these podcasts with us to share your stories and show your support for individuals that we serve. Absolutely. It's the least I can do. And I'm very much looking forward to meeting everybody, seeing everybody. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on. And until next time, we'll see you guys out on the water and in the woods. Thank you for listening to the Hometown Hero Outdoors podcast. For more information about Hometown Hero Outdoors, visit our webpage at www.hometownherooutdoors.org.